Hello and welcome to another episode of Get to Work Early. I'm your show announcer, Tim Minichi, and joining us on this episode, it's Ursula Vernon, a.k.a. T. Kingfisher. And now, take it away, Cameron Hurley. Ursula, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast, in part because I have not seen you in like forever. We used to, I saw you like a couple writing meets or maybe one writing meet like via Zoom and Man, it has been, I haven't been to an event in like three years, so. Yeah, it's it's been way too long, and it's great to see you again, even in the virtual flesh. <laughs> uh, how the hell have you been? Uh, it feels weird. I've actually been really good, but which I am almost embarrassed by because, uh, you know, the world is, is terrible, but I figure that uh, if... If I'm doing good, that's, you know, resources that don't have to be expended taking care of me. So I'm good. The books are settling. My career seems to be doing well. No one is dead. The house right? is on fire. I'm not in jail. You know, what, what more do we want? Uh, exactly. I'm like, I got a roof over my head. We have cash flow. Uh, at this point, there a bar just opened two blocks away. So shit, I'm taken care of. There's no, nothing else I could possibly need on this earth at this point. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, uh, I totally feel you, feel you there. So, what are we talking today about, Tim? Well, we've got a couple things on the schedule. We are going to address some Twitter questions that uh, folks submitted. We'll talk about what you guys have been maybe reading recently or watching, and then we're going to play a game because <laughs> we always play a game, Ursula on this show to okay. stretch the time. Uh, <laughs> this one, since you are both gardeners, mm. I went with a gardener theme. We're going to be playing, is it a plant name or the name of a 1990s Britpop musician? Oh, Lord. I should say that I, I love plant names. Whenever I get stuck for a fantasy character name, I uh, just use a Latin plant name. So <laughs> nice. I... I had a group of barbarians named after the Sug family and uh, a, uh, a villain named Status, which is a lamb's ear. And yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm sure botanists find my book looks weird. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. they, just have all, they just could get all the Easter eggs. So then they feel special. They, there you go. They're, yeah. they're, I'm not lazy. They're Easter eggs. <laughs> Cameron, do you want to provide a brief update on writing progress? No. No? <laughs> How's the book going, Hurley? It's fine. No, actually, this week has been very great uh, as far as book progress goes. I've been off, off the day job. So um, right. I'm back to using the original title, Losing Gravity, because thematically everything is working. Characters are working. My brain is working. New brain drugs are great. I popped out of bed at 5 a.m. I know, I went to bed at 10 last night, popped out of bed at 5, and I'm like, shit, and I've been working. So um, things are going well uh, on the book front. Uh, I look forward to being done with this book because now I have, I think on the wall behind me, for those seeing the video, um, I have a line of more other book things projects that I would like to um, start thinking about and get started about and hopefully sell for money. <laughs> so that would also be very nice. So I can pay my taxes and um, perhaps uh, get our HVAC uh, fixed. All those glamorous writing things uh, that we use our glamorous money for. 
You should dedicate a book to yeah, your our HVAC. HVAC. <laughs> yeah, ours just had uh, white slime, in, uh, which is a thing. It happens but particularly in the South, and it's a bacterial thing, and it just forms this mass of, in the drip tray that looks like snot, basically. And it, it's, it fills the whole thing. It comes out of the the you know pipe or the tubes that the sun and water away jams them up it's uh it's nasty and it uh yeah. caused the thing to leak and overflow and we had to have uh yeah it was it, it was unpleasant yes. hac man yeah it, it's it's not but ours was undersized the dude like who put it in basically scavenged it from another house that was being rebuilt um, and so oh. it's undersized for our place. So our place is always a little too warm. Um, and it's just old. And it, again, it was used when it went in. So, um, and yeah, everybody quotes me and they're like, that'll be the price of a car. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't need a car. <laughs> it's my house. <laughs> so having just replaced uh, mine, I can, I feel your pain. Oh yeah. Uh, it's so five figures. Oof, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's move on to some Twitter questions. You put the uh, the call out there and the call was returned by a couple of folks. Uh, let's go with Sparrow. Sparrow said, you're working on the thing with a deadline and a really good snippet of a scene, totally unrelated hops into your brain. Ignore it and let it die. Jot it for a fruit bowl. <laughs> Jot it for a note in a fruit bowl. Write it down. Uh, see if you can incorporate it into the thing that's due. Like, what do you do if you come in with something at the last second? Are you going to try to cram it in there or are you uh, letting it die or saving it for future use? I know what I usually do. I have like these no little notebooks and I put them like next to me on my chair by the TV or when I'm reading or next to my bed. And I just keep like notes of like shit that occurs to me or little snippets of dialogue that I really like. I usually will put it somewhere else. Sometimes if I think it might be related, I'll put it at the end of the manuscript. And that way, as I'm typing, and that way, I, if I kind of dip back and look at it and maybe I can incorporate it, that's great. Um, but most of the time, if I'm coming up with something that's like totally different or that I don't think I'm probably gonna incorporate, I will just put it in like, yeah, a notebook or something for later. How do you find it again? I read the notebook. The whole thing, like each time you have to go through. <laughs> Wait, here's the thing. When I start a new project, that is actually what I do. When I start, one of the things I do when I start a new project is I'll go through these little notebooks um, and I will like pull out little snippets and stuff that I find interesting. So yeah, okay. that, that is the problem with the notebook thing though is, and I've heard people say that is, well, that's well shitty because then once you have an idea, God knows you can find, can't find it again. But I think it's nice because then it makes me relook at all the ideas again. So I don't see it, that's bad. Interesting. Ursula, how about you? Uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, I am a, I, I, if I'm not working on like five things simultaneously, the system collapses. So I will usually figure out if it goes with one of them, I will write it down uh, in there. If it doesn't seem to go with any of them, I will pull up a new Word doc, write it, and then shove it in a file folder that's called like in progress or uh, uh snippets or something i don't remember what i call it but uh yeah and, and just write the scene and uh every now and again the the it will be more than a scene attached to it and it will go 
hog wild and I will spend the weekend writing, you know, 9,000 words and uh, that will take the hindmost as far as the deadline is concerned. But, uh, and it's great when that happens. I, I actually learned to chase inspiration like that because I can be slogging away on a deadline, you know, all day long, but inspiration is rare and enthusiasm and I can get so much done when I'm enthusiastic on a thing that, and I'll wind up using it later. So yeah, I usually am just like, yep, let me go work on that other thing. Yeah, that's, that's a good very point. good about my deadline. <laughs> that's a good point about enthusiasm because it is true. It's like, yeah, we're just slogging along. God, as I know, slogging along on something that it's like, oh, I got to get this done. But then you're like, oh, so excited about something else. It's like, it's good to get it out. Well, you're excited because then it's done. Um, so you know. absolutely, that's 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 you know, ten or fifteen thousand words you don't have to slog over. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, uh, I, yeah, I usually chase them. I know there's like online wisdom that you only get excited about a different project when your current project is not working or whatever. And I think that's bullshit. I mean, maybe for some people, but it's like. No, you, you are not going to be enthusiastic about the whole book the whole way through. Sometimes you just have to sit down and write the road trip or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Brett has a two-part question. And the first one is specific to Cameron, but I want to expand it into a overall question. He said, I remember hearing Mirror Empire was going to be 15 books. Are there any elements that you didn't use that you want to use in the future. Um, and then I could expand that to just in general, uh, how, do you, how do you know when you start something, you're like, this is gonna be 15 books on the dot, 15, not 13, not 17 books. I'm gonna hit 15 books with this series. So uh, is that true, first of all? Um, I was very young at the time and I had never published a book before, so I knew nothing about <laughs> publishing. Yeah, I was just screaming, laughing. Yes, exactly, I had no idea. I all I'd read, I read Robert Jordan and thought, well, it must be that everybody gets to write 15 books, you know? Uh, so I just had this great idea where I was like, and I had outlines for that, where I'm like, here's the arc of the story, here's what's going to happen. And um, by the time I think I was ready to pitch that book, I had whittled it down to five books that it was going to be. And then my agent looked at me and read the book and said, can you get this down to three? Because we're not going to sell five. <laughs> it's not going to sell it. Um, and as far as like, like what, and in fact, I, that was the one I was actually looking at, at that book um, earlier. Um, and one of the things that I thought was fascinating about the book, which was The Mirror Empire, um, I think it was only my fourth book. And uh, I was actually looking through it earlier today, looking through some scenes, and it has so many freaking characters. I can't even keep them all fucking straight. And that's one of like the big things. Everyone's like, why are there so many characters? I can barely keep them straight. I have to go to the ending where there's, I had a, I do have a, um, uh, thing in the back where you can see what all the glossary, you know, for the characters. And some of that, the reason is because it's 15 books worth of characters all in three books. Because I remember, and then that's the thing. It's like the whole story's still there. I think what you tend to take off is like side quests. Like there were some things where, you know, oh, they'll, they'll go and get the piece of this other information from over here and that will take forever traveling. It's all the traveling scenes, really. Um, so the, a lot of that stuff left and it's it's actually a really good exercise because it forces you to say okay what are the most important pieces of this story that i feel i need to tell um and i think you know 
kind of writing with those constraints has been very good for me um, because it has forced me to actually think about my process a lot more, think about structure a lot more, um, as opposed to when your kid just be like, ah, this is fun and I'm just going to go everywhere and it'll be great. Uh, instead, I really had, and that's why I rewrote, you know, my agent had me rewrite from the ground up Mirror Empire. Um, and I rewrote Broken Heavens, the third one, again, from the ground up. Sometimes I feel like I just have to write the book and then I know what the book is about and then I have to rewrite it again. So I know sometimes it's just See, what I happens. I write the book to know what it's about, but I never bother to rewrite it. I'm like, here's a book. <laughs> yeah, here's a book. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I know what it's about now. So good job. <laughs> yeah it, so it um but yeah so it's it's just uh you pare it down as much as possible next time i will pare down more characters <laughs> yeah <laughs> what about you ursula do you plot beyond a, a, the first book in a series are you plotting out multiple I don't books plot beyond the first chapter uh i uh uh no i i should say that in um uh the the series of fantasy romances that I am working on, uh, I'm working on book four, and I know there will hopefully be seven books. The only reason I know that is not because I have a grand character arc or had a grand one at the beginning, but because it's uh, based on a uh, their romances, and I had seven characters in the sort of original group. And that's how it works in, in genre romances. If you have three brothers, okay, there's probably going to be three books. If the if it sells well, there's an interesting side character. You 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 bring each character in sort of more in uh, like the first book is about guy X, and I know the second book is going to be about guy Y, so guy Y will show up in book X, and uh, so that the readers know who he is and are get sort of a I want to see his story, and then you write his story and the guy from the next story shows up in it kind of thing. And uh, so, yeah, I do have a sort of overarching meta plot to the thing, which I didn't know was going to be the meta plot in book one. I, I, I knew basically the first two books when I had finished writing book one. And then uh, book three, everyone, everybody kept asking me, the, the series is based on a, a, uh, a set of uh, paladins whose god has died. And people kept asking, okay, how'd the god die? And I was like, oh, people actually want to know that. Originally, I was just like, whatever, he died. It happens. I was like that. But people are like, no, but, but how'd he die? How did, how did this happen? You, you left all of these, these poor bastards with PTSD and a god ripped out of their soul can we know why? And I'm like, oh, Jesus. All right, fine. And so I had to start setting that up as the meta plot. And uh, I got there. I, I started moving there in book three, book four, which I'm working on now is the, it's mostly this story, but you pick up some pieces of information along the way that applies to the meta plots. You know, the next book will be much more into it. And eventually I will probably hit the last book with the character that I don't know anything about what they want. And uh, hopefully they will wrap it all nicely. I do know how they got that. I just have to figure out how to tie it all up in a neat bow and stop it from happening to somebody else. 
Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I am not a, uh, a great outliner and plotter. I view outlines as an instrument of torture. And <laughs> uh, seriously, I, I never... No, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. And then I had a, a editor like uh, ask me for an outline, and I was, you know, like a deer in the headlights. And had to, I, I think I was complaining about this online uh, in the early days. I've seen some of it, and I'm like, oh God, what do I do? Uh, so I wrote the damn outline, and um, normally I just start writing the book, and then I'll have like, you know, 10 or 15,000 words. And I will just send that to the editor with like a one paragraph synopsis. And uh, this happens, this happens. There's a horrible scene where this happens. Uh, the good guys win and everybody lives happily ever after. And uh, that, honestly, that is about what my synopsis does sound like. And if they don't want it based on the 15,000 words I sent them, the synopsis is not going to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, see, this is why I want to, I have this assassin turned gardener detective thing that I want to do. And that's the perfect setup because that's one where you have like the enclosed mystery on the first one. So if it tanks, well, it was a one-off. That's great. If it does well, then you have a second mystery and it's also nice and self-contained. And the only thing that really links them together is just, oh, you have this character who is this, you know, detective gardener yeah. person. Miss Marple, it's Midsummer Murders, it's whatever. So that way it can kind of have this breathing room. So it's like, great, it tanked after two boats, it tanked after three boats, if you're lucky. <laughs> or you're right, but, you yeah, but you don't have to say it tanked. You can just be like, yeah. well, then we solve the mystery. That's the book was done. Yeah. Can I make an editorial comment about that? <laughs> Please make his name Gardner or her name Gardner so that it's very confusing. Like, you're a gardener <laughs> and your name is Gardner. How ironic. And they, he's it's, like- It's about be, Lost City where it's like- It'll be a running joke throughout the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, am, I am actually also working on a cozy mystery with a gardener, but uh, it, it's, it's a team up between an angel and a devil who are both retired because I really wanted to write a Sith and Jedi gardener, but Lucasfilm would, certainly would never let me. So this was my, my closest attempt to file the serial numbers off. And <laughs> someday I will finish it. I, I love writing it. Uh, it's, uh, it's, but, you know, deadlines, other books. Mm -hmm. So the part two to the question from Brett was, do you break down editing into pieces, like an editing pass for characters, then one for the world, et cetera, or consider everything in a single pass? Ursula, I'll start with you. Oh, single pass, definitely. Like, I, I don't even break down, like, my thinking about it into characters are here and world is here or whatnot. My editing pass is just like, uh, I, my editor has left sidebar comments like, we don't need another fight scene here, consolidate these two, or, would you really say this? Uh, you know, occasionally there'll be an overall, this character's coming across as very uh, dismissive. Can we, uh, it, unless you want that, let's address that. So I guess that's a character. But then they'll also be like, uh, earlier you said that the ruler of this city was named... Uh, the duke and right over here he's the earl pick one so it's it's and it's and it's i guess they're they're 
you edit the book, not the world and the characters, if that makes any sense. Okay. What about you, Cameron? Yeah, I think I I tend to go about in my first pass, I'm mostly concentrating on character and structure. Like, okay, here are the things that have to happen. Here are the motivations that need to happen. And then I will, I will actually go back and I will do a world building pass where I'm like, well, that's lazy. That makes no sense. Because when I'm writing really quickly or I'm just concentrating on one part of it, and I really like world building, but I have to have that second pass to really spend a lot of time doing the world building. Like I'm reading all these books about cannibalism right now. I'm like, oh shit, I can like build this whole world. This, uh, this is a, a lost opportunity here. I can do this cool cannibalism stuff. So I'm going back through <laughs> some cool cannibalism, like you do, um, because it makes sense in the world. And, you know, and it's missing And because I wasn't thinking about it because I had to just structurally get through, okay, this happens, this happens, this happens, which leads to this happening. Now I can go do the fun stuff once that structural passes in. And I can do the stuff I really like, which is how I wrote my first three books, the Godfrey novels were because they were just very much like fight scene, fight scene, dialogue, fight scene. And then I kind of went back and said, okay, well, if there were paradigm by bugs and bug tech and all of that, how does this change kind of, oh, this interaction. Oh, what does the kitchen look like? They just walk in and I'm like, it's a kitchen. Well, everything's powered by bugs. What does it actually look like? So I would go through with that pass and kind of really like deepen that world building and make it just a little more interesting. So. See, that's fascinating because I like will read a book about, uh, in my case, it was the history of salt and uh, which salt is fascinating, like just, uh, yeah, the world ran on salt. And I did it originally because I was like, okay, they're going to a city in this book and uh, whose industry is founded on salt. Okay. And uh, so I'm reading about salt and I'm like, oh, this is all fascinating. Okay. Yeah, I can't... uh, I can't get most of that into this book, but I'm going to write another book that's just about salt <laughs> politics. And in fact, the romance novel I'm working on right now, the central conceit is that an artificer has uh, invented a desalinator. And, uh, or, uh, that, uh, except that instead of, I mean, it does make fresh water, but mostly it makes salt. And uh, it's co- going to completely destabilize the world economy because this is, you know, faux renaissance. And the artist is like, yeah, you can pour seawater into this thing and get salt out of it. It's cool. And uh, so all of a sudden shipping and trade is going to be completely destroyed and everyone is trying to kill the artificer because, you know, we can't have this. And uh, so that's what gets the characters moving off into the world, which... You know, yeah, my, my approach to world building is that's really neat. I should write another book about that. <laughs> Someday I will write a romance that is entirely based around sewer construction. I swear to God, because it is so fascinating. And it has I believe happened. you will. I believe you will. I did not know the first book in this series, Paladin's Grace, came about. I was supposed to be working on something else entirely, and then I listened to a podcast about... Uh, uh, perfume making in uh, historical perfume making, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is amazing! Oh yeah, okay. Ooh, really? Oh, I could use that." And the next thing I know, I had a seven book series. So yeah. <laughs> wow. I understand. I completely understand. Yeah. Um, what have you both read? or watched recently that you have enjoyed? Cameron, I'll start with you. The Lost City! 
uh, which is basically a love letter to Romancing the Stone. It's got Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. And it's very much a satiric send up of that kind of genre. Uh, I was incredibly entertained by it, but I also have watched Romancing the Stone like 8,000 million times. So for me, it was just kind of this, it was like a film made for me. Um, so I thought that was really fun. My cannibalism book, which I think is just called Cannibalism by Bill Shute, I think, um, has been really good. Um, and then I just, oh, Hidden Pictures. I just finished a book called Hidden Pictures, which is a kind of domestic thriller slash horror, which is spooky, but not scary. And um, I thought that was really good. I actually recommend that to my mom. My husband's reading it right now. Uh, that was really fun. So. What about you, Ursula? Anything uh, entertainment-wise you've been enjoying recently? Uh, just finished uh, uh, Owl House, which is an adorable cartoon that is is really fabulous. Uh, it's a series, and uh, enjoyed the heck out of that. Uh, let's see. It is. It's one of those that's like it's sweet and supportive, and also set in this horrible, horrible, batshit, awful world that's like built on the corpse of a dying demon and whatnot and it's like uh but it's cute and sweet and uh, yeah so uh i enjoyed that uh let's see uh uh what have i read recently jordan l hawk uh sex world series i just uh got through those those are fun um they're fluffy romance set in sort of uh, 1800s New York that is an uh, uh, alternate world where uh, there's a, a provision of, or there's like a familiar can and which is the familiars can shapeshift, but uh, they're treated as kind of an underclass and uh, it's, uh, it's they're fun. There's a lot of sex. All right. <laughs> Get led with that, Ursula. But is there yeah. salt? Is it spicy and salty, or just I spicy? Thought, I just watched salt. Okay. Uh, sorry, my dog is going nuts. Uh, dog, the UPS guy is not here to kill us on our skin. <laughs> All right, let's play a short game called Plant Name or Britpop Musician Name. Now, are you both familiar with Britpop from the 90s? Mm -mm. So Britpop... I'll say the name Oasis or Blur. Those, okay. you know, Wonderwall. Okay. Hey, everybody, oh, it's yes, Wonderwall. Yes. Okay, so Britpop was a musical movement that was in a re was a reaction to American grunge. Basically, grunge was taking over the UK in the early 90s, and a bunch of British musicians were like, we've got the Beatles. Why do we need American grunge? So it was like a reclaiming of British because rock. it was awesome. Right. <laughs> So they they tapped Sorry, I'm, it. I'm from the Pacific Northwest in the night. No, oh, yes, I'm wearing a flannel right now. I'm, I know come on. you are. So it emphasized Britishness. It was alternative rock. It it's it got into the cool Britannia movement, which was this idea of like celebrating Britishness and not just celebrating all this American music that had been dominating uh, in the early part of the decade a lot of bands got lumped in that weren't necessarily, but the most successful bands of the Britpop movement were Oasis and Blur, who famously had a feud in the papers, which drove up sales of tabloids and music papers. And then there were bands like Suede and Pulp. Those are the big four of, of Britpop. 
you might know Pulp from the song Common People. That was a big single in the 90s. If not, uh, that's okay. Just letting all the people out there know. So I have picked names of plants that are also names of people because they were named after people. And I've picked musicians' names that kind of sound like those names. And we're going to mm -hmm. see if you two can decipher. Cameron, you might have an edge because Monty Don has talked about some of these plants. Oh, well, I do like Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Well, then you both <laughs> might have a, a, some inside information on this. So I'm going to ask each of you, like, one. And if you guess it, you get a point. We're going to total up the points. If we have to do a tiebreaker, we will. So okay. first one will go to our guest. So this is the question. George Davidson, is that a plant name or a, or a Britpop musician name? Uh, can you say the name again? George Davidson. Uh, Britpop musician. Eh. Sorry, that's crocosoma, an orange crocosoma, which has uh, been which has been. Cultivar names are hard. Which has been on uh, Gardener's World I recently. I say crocosmia, but Sorry, I yeah. I have a problem pronouncing things. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's going to be a problem. Well, all Latin, so. well, I can pronounce the names of the people. I just can't pronounce oh, the names of the plants. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. So that's a, that's a, that's a miss. Uh, second one for Ursula. Gem Archer. Gem Archer. Britpop musician or plant? That really sounds like it could be a plant. So I'm going with it's a musician. Correct. That was the second guitarist of Oasis. So that's one. And now third one, Richard Oaks. Oaks. No, too obvious, musician. Correct. Guitarist of the band Suede. All right, of the first three, we've got two out of three. Let's do three with Cameron. Nancy. I, I should point out, I'm not basing this on my knowledge of either plants or musicians. I'm basing this entirely on my knowledge of Tim here. Of Tim, yeah. <laughs> I kept to undermine the psychology. No, too close. Go on. <laughs> Tim trying to psych us out. I know. To be fair, whenever we do these, Cameron has no idea what half the question, what, what like we did the cult last time. She didn't know any songs by the cult. I did really well with the Ikea She did. She nailed though. like five out of six I know questions. Ikea. Oh, yeah. I, it was basically... Ikea furniture or, 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 no, it was, it was, that was Ikea furniture or Swedish Science fiction author. Science fiction author, yeah. Oh, that All right. would be hard. <laughs> All right, first one for you, Cameron. Nancy Nora. Uh, plant. Correct, that's a white peony. All right, second one. Dorothy Benedict. Plant. Correct, that's a variegated green and yellow hosta. All right, last one. Graham Thomas. I'm going to say that's a musician. Wrong, that's a yellow rose. Tied, two for two. Round two where the points double. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, this is, a, this is going to be a, a speed round. Back and forth, real quick. Ursula, Gaz Coombs. Plants. Wrong. Singer guitarist of the band Supergrass. Cameron. I was guessing you. Yeah, okay. Graham Coxon. 
Well, that must be a plant. Wrong. Guitarist of Blur. All right. Ursula. Richard Pennell. Musician. Wrong. <laughs> Purple Clematis. Cameron. You're doing so well. <laughs> Mickey Berenji. Uh, uh, musician. Correct. That's the lead singer oh. guitarist of Lush. <sighs> Which you guys should know Lush. Lady Killers, no. great song. Okay. No. Uh, I, mean, I know there was the store where you buy a lot of, of extremely perfumed stuff. Okay. <laughs> Two more. <laughs> Two more for Ursula. Kendall Clark. Plants. Yes, it's a yellow or no, a light purple geranium. And lastly, Crispian Mills. Who's this for? What is it? Uh, who That's is this for? For you. Oh, this, I'm doing oh, back to back uh, for you. Let's see if you can catch up. Uh, uh, musician. Correct. The singer guitarist of Kula Shaker and the son of Haley Mills from uh, the TV show that I can't remember the name of from the 1950s. All right. We have a tie ball game right here, folks. So we're going to go down to One the. One more. One more, Tim. I know you love this. One more. One more. Okay. This is for both of you, whoever chimes in first. Tie ball game. Charlotte Heatherly. Plant. No. I'll pick musician. There you go. It's guitarist and pianist of the band Ash, and Ursula takes it at the <laughs> at the end, punches it in from the one yard line. Purely uh, because like, <laughs> both picked plant. <laughs> <laughs> uh you win the satisfaction of of this game's uh, outcome congratulations I, I am ashamed at my performance in plants i mean if you have done stuff that i like if you had cat mints i would be fine but they're all named things like six hills giant and walkers low so mm -hmm. yeah. next time next time we will uh we will do a game when you're here we'll just do it entirely based on uh the big four of Seattle. We'll talk Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, and Nirvana. And uh, we, we will, I'll figure it, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Maybe, maybe I, we will get into some grunt truck and some candle box. We'll see. Was it Pearl Jam I saw in concert? I saw somebody open for the butthole surfers. I, I think it was Pearl Jam. That must've been early. Oh yeah, yeah, no, the first concert I went to, I was like, 16 so yeah gotcha yeah i missed i i missed the opening years of pearl jam i i had a chance to see them when they opened for both red hot chili peppers and smashing pumpkins they were the opening band like the eight o'clock band and i i missed that show so i you know don't feel bad a friend of mine was from uh uh i think ohio or illinois or wherever it was and uh he could not listen to nine inch nails because he was like no seriously they were like the club band when I was growing up, I've heard them so many times. I am so sick of them. <laughs> as a, as mean, an Ohio resident, I can't Mouse confirm. Yes. Yep. There, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it was Columbus. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we Ohioans love to drive our few successful musical acts into the ground repeatedly. Uh, I can't listen to the Ohio players because I have heard the Ohio players nonstop for 25 years.
So there you go. Let's let's plug some stuff uh, for our guest. Redwombatstudio.com is where you go to find all things Ursula Vernon. Yes, including books by T. Kingfisher, who is also me. Who's also you. Yes. Uh, you can also go to Twitter to uh, engage on the internets, read stuff about salts and various... I was gonna say, you learn really interesting facts from yes. Ursula. There's a lot of things to say about weird shit. So, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Are you on I the... am educational. Are you on any other of the social media outlets? Instagram, TikTok? Uh... I have an Instagram. I never update it, so... Yeah, <laughs> Ursula V, U R S U L A V, for all of your random factoids about insects and salt. And you have a newsletter you can sign up for at uh, Twitter. And then Cameron, uh, we need to. Re oh, do you have a Patreon, Ursuline? Ursula? Yes, yes, I do. I think it's Red Wombat. Uh, it's fine. Don't give the money to a charity who needs it. I'm doing fine. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Ursula's at a different level, Tim. <laughs> well, no, I, I feel bad. Like, I, 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 I'm not starving, so, like, there are people... Like, don't give it to a food bank You're something. allowed to move above not Probably. starving. You're allowed to go to, like, <laughs> buying the terracotta pot that is, uh, you know, a little bit nicer than rather than buying the plastic pot, like I do. Well, I, I do buy terracotta pots it's true but they're actually pretty cheap uh no i want like the big one that you could like take a bath in oh no so yeah, yeah. no i can't afford i want like the roman gardens like gigantic like an urn That's like an, an urn. yes i want urns on my tiny little backyard <laughs> urns for all there we go <laughs> normalize urns Normalize earned, yes. <laughs> uh, Cameron, let's remind folks they can go to patreon.com uh, forward slash Cameron Hurley to uh, join Hurley's heroes. They can follow you on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. They can join your Substack, Hurley's heroes. And also all that stuff is available through CameronHurley.com. Would you like to uh, wrap us up? I sure would. I know that I will be getting back to work after this, and so should all of you. So go get back to work! I might actually go through if you're shopping. You might well. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm gonna keep, keep that, that in. in. I'm gonna, gonna, gonna keep, keep that, that in. in. <laughs> and we're out.